So this week, we are wrapping up our series, Culture of Christ. Um, counting this week for the last seven weeks, we have gone just one subject at a time, going over um, some key items that we feel that Jesus demonstrated so fully and so completely, and they bring such life, and that we're supposed to demonstrate as well. We're supposed to mimic as well. And so when we talk about culture of Christ, we, we just as easily, we, we could be communicating, this is the culture of Impact Rock Church. You guys, we have no desire to have a church culture outside of what we see in Jesus Christ. There's no other church culture. So if, it's something, if it's outside of Jesus, then it's not going to bring life. It's not going to change lives. It's not going to heal people. It's not going to set people free. And so in this series... We have covered these seven topics. Love, generosity, presence, which included worship and prayer, discipleship, power, obedience, and today I will teach on salvation. So we have used this passage from John 13 as our base uh, passage of scripture for this series. So I'm going to read that right now. John 13, 12 through 17. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? The little translation is, do you understand what I have authored in you? What I have began in you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. And we've said it throughout this series. Church, it's it's very safe to insert into here, you know, Jesus saying, Church, if I have blank, then you also ought to blank. We follow his example. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. This is what this series is all about. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, that's great. But you got to do them. It's great to know them, but we got to do them. Faith without works is dead. Walking out our Christian faith is, is about a lot of doing. When I talked about love, I talked about the, the things we do, it's not out of obligation, it's out of affection. Because we love God. So we have preached these messages to you to show you how Jesus lived out and demonstrated these principles. He's he's exemplified these values to us and we've tried to make you better equipped to do them. I started off the series preaching on love and I asked, how did Jesus love God the Father? How did Jesus love his disciples and his followers? How did Jesus love those who did not believe in him? 
And then I answered. Jesus had a great love for the Father that was deep, insightful, and intense. I love that. Jesus loved his disciples by doing life with them, by including them, and by being genuine with them, authentic. Jesus loved the people who did not believe in him by being openly affectionate with them, displaying his love in obvious, conclusive ways. And from those three things, we get the three pillars of our church of which everything we do is, it follows this example. Profound love for God, genuine love for his church, demonstrative love for his lost. That was covered in the first week of love. Andy, the next week, preached the message on generosity. And Andy challenged us that we can't base our generosity on what we have in our grasp. But we base our generosity on the fact that God is our source and that source is limitless. You having a bad day? You're tired? You know, checkbook's a little lean. All the different ways that we we think, I don't have enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. Yes, you do. But there's got to be acts of faith. He said generosity is love in action. And if we are generous, we will be taken care of because we cannot outgive God. After that, Kara preached on presence and she showed us that Jesus connected with the Father by spending time with Him through a close, intimate, loving relationship. They had constant and they had real and honest communication. And she said this, Kara said, Jesus knew the heart of the Father because He spent time with Him and asked. She asked us, how well do we know the heart of the Father? bringing about the question, how much time are we spending with him? In his message on discipleship, Brad, that Brad preached after that, he taught that Christian discipleship is intentionally helping and teaching others to grow in Christ. He made a statement that I love. He said, to be a Christian is to be a disciple maker. After that, I preached on the Holy Spirit. And in my message, I show that the Holy Spirit has been around since creation. He's been not just around, not just loitering. He's been active. He's been involved. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament pre the day of Pentecost. And then on the day of Pentecost, we see something new. We see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such a cool way. And Jesus says, says I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I, I turned through scripture and showed that, that so many times, almost every time that Jesus is talking about water and, and a thirst, that he's tying it to the Holy Spirit saying, you're thirsty? Well, I can quench that. I'll send the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And then Brad last week preached on obedience. We have to model Jesus' life as Christians, if we're going to have a life of obedience. Brad showed us three things that that Jesus did in obedience to the Father. He showed us that being obedience is not easy. But that it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. He says that in obedience we must be focused. We can't be distracted, you guys. Distraction is a huge attack of the enemy. One of the biggest things he brings against us is distraction. 
And then Brad said, we've got to be intentional. Guys, we just can't... Oh, that's awesome. I stumbled, stumbled upon obedience. We've got to be intentional about it. And today, I am preaching on salvation. And I want to make something abundantly clear from the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. God doesn't just want us saved so that we escape the fires of hell. That that initial act of belief in Jesus Christ is just the beginning of the joys of salvation that we are meant to walk out the rest of our lives. He wants us whole and healed and free so that we can have an abundant life here on earth. Salvation is not just your get out of jail card or get out of hell card. It's, it's not. It's not fire insurance. Let's pull up that picture. This picture is a picture of the parking, coming into the parking area of Disneyland. I grew up in Southern California. I love Disneyland. Disney World in Orlando might be great. Disneyland is better. Because right around the corner, there's like five in and outs. And so Disneyland is awesome. So this is what you see when you're getting ready to park your car. It is phenomenal. I'm excited right now. I can't even look at it. I can't even turn around. I will get so distracted. I'll start seeing this a small world after all. I, can just, I can't do it. And then once you get past this incredible, beautiful thing, after you walk through the doors and give your ticket and you, you pass through, this is immediately what you see. And every Disney song in the world starts flooding your heart and you start crying and you're like, this is beautiful. But there's more. You can't, you've made it through the gates. You've, you've given your ticket. You're here and it's beautiful. And we can't stop here. Because when we walk through this area, there are rides. And there is so much beautiful scenery. And there's lands. There's Tomorrowland and Frontierland. And it's, it's amazing. There are characters walking around. And you're like Cinderella. And there's food. And there's music. And there's parades. At night there's fireworks. And it's amazing. And we're not... To experience these things, we've, we've got to press through that initial ticket-taking area. Friends, this is what it's like in our salvation. That initial act of belief. Hey, we, we do. We, we do get that ticket. We do get that ticket that saves us from, from hell. But Jesus has called us to life abundant here on earth. And we're supposed to walk in it. And we're supposed to experience in it. And we're supposed to be thrilled. And we're supposed to experience highs and lows. You know, like, like on the roller coasters and the different things. We're supposed to experience all that God has for, for us. God has so much more. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief, 
the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest. Far too long the the traditional Christian understanding of salvation has been just securing that that ticket, that place in heaven. Have you guys noticed that there's a lot of Christians, people we love, that just endure a lot of of rough, rough patches that seem to be like devoid of Jesus? Like, yeah, I went through, I went through this, you know, you know, really rough place. I went through this valley. I went through the difficult place, you know, and then the Lord came to my side, you know, and, and then I, I made it through it. Guys, that's not how we're supposed to live our life. We're supposed to live our life with Jesus, acknowledging Jesus right there through every step of the rough patch, through every de- decline into the valleys, which we will face the hardships that we do have, but we're not supposed to find Him on the other end. He's there with us as we walk it out. Do you know that I can have joy in the midst of a valley? I can have peace in the midst of a storm? John 13, 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What's missing in the lives of a lot of Christians is that we know things but we don't do them. And if I'm being totally honest, since we know them, but we don't do them, when we have these rough patches and and we don't acknowledge the Lord beside us, a lot of times we end up blaming God for stuff this, that He's not responsible for because He's like, hey, I laid it out for you what I wanted you to do. You didn't do it. You just simply knew it. For us to experience the full blessing of God, we've got to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Don't get me wrong. We, we have life, but that is not what Jesus came for us to have. He says, I, he says, I came that you might have life and life to the fullest and life more abundantly. We're not just supposed to have life. We're not just supposed to escape hell. That's not good enough. That is not the work of salvation that Jesus Christ gave everything for. What he gave everything for and what is salvation is that we get to walk in life abundantly, which includes ups and downs and highs and lows and storms and clear skies and valleys and peaks. But we walk, we walk it with them and God does these amazing things within us where he prepares us and he grows endurance and he grows character and we come out ready to be used in greater ways. How many of us want to touch the lives of someone we love, a friend or a coworker or a family member that we know is going through hell right now? And we want to make a difference. We want to heal them. We gotta be doers of the word. We gotta be doers of the things that the Lord has laid out there for us. Because on, on our own, we can't heal anybody. Our support and our strength to say, oh, I'm gonna be with you through the hard time is not enough. Because we're not the ones who save. Jesus is. We've got to do the things. 
The biblical plan of salvation comes from the Greek word sozo. Love that word. Sozo means to save, to heal, to deliver, to make whole. That's the work of salvation. To save, to heal, to deliver, to bring freedom, and to make whole. You guys, the early church... The early Christian church understood this. They walked in this. They lived out their salvation. They did not consider it to be a, a, a one a, a one act play. Or man, wasn't that fantastic? No hell for us. When we die, heaven. I'm so happy. No. They said, I get to live abundantly here on earth. And yes, when I die, I get to be reunited with my God in heaven. But friends, this is not just... I mean, if that's the case, then why, why do we have to live life if we're just supposed to accept Jesus and then be in heaven? We're supposed to walk abundantly. There's some things that we've got to do. Do. We do have to do. There's some things we've got to do joyfully and intentionally and faithfully in order to walk out our salvation in life. Not walk out our salvation earning anything because once we believe, we're saved. But to walk out our salvation in fulfilling abundant life. There's some things we need to do. Would you guys like to hear what they are? First, love. Love like Jesus loved. Love others. Love the lost. Love the saved. Love others. Second, generosity. We gotta be generous. I can I can point you to scriptures later in these. Maybe we'll do a series on it one time. You guys want to know what the next one is? You guys are you see you're sharp. See you're sharp. Everything we covered in this series are the things that we've got to walk out so that we are living our salvation abundantly. Generosity. So presence, discipleship, power, obedience, and salvation. Not just knowing these things, but what? Doing them. And then as a result, being what? Truly blessed. Truly blessed is what Jesus said in that passage from John. Do you guys want to break the power of the lies that have found a home in your heart? Spending time in the presence of God does this. Spending time in the presence of God breaks the lies of the enemy that he has tried to imprint upon our heart when God said, no, that heart is mine. And they are stamped and they are sealed with my image. They are not yours, they are mine. So we spend time in the presence of God, in worship, in, in, in hiding the word in our heart. So there's no room for the enemy to put those lies. Presence. Prayer, worship, hiding in Him, in the safe place of Jesus. Do you guys want to break harmful cycles and patterns in your life that just every so often you find yourself taking another lap and doing the same things? Well, then we have this amazing combination of love, power, and obedience that breaks those cycles. 
that breaks those patterns. And you know what I call that? I call it life abundant. Can you put a price on that? See, we're not talking about blessing. I'm not talking about a higher number in your account. You can't put a price on this. You can't put a price on breaking that cycle and that pattern of your life that you just find yourself doing again and again and again. You can't put a price on breaking the bondage uh, to sin, to addiction, to shame, to all of the things that the enemy tried to put upon us, but the blood of Jesus annihilated. So how did Jesus demonstrate salvation? Did Jesus demonstrate salvation by his death? Yes, but that's only part of it. Jesus demonstrated salvation by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, and by his life right now. His whole life demonstrated salvation. You know why we're, you know why we can be alive right now? Because he's alive, because he's not dead, because we can't walk over to a tomb and, and, and celebrate a, 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 a place where there's a dead body in there. He's alive. He's risen and he lives now and he interacts with us. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth of how much I love you and how much I love the Father. And we're going to, we're going to connect. It's going to be awesome. So how do we demonstrate salvation? How do we demonstrate salvation? Guys, for us to truly demonstrate salvation... We have to walk out our lives saved, healed, delivered, and whole so the world can see the power of God alive in us. We walk out our life whole that glorifies God. If there's something you need freedom from, God wants you free. He, it's not an albatross that he's put around your neck for you to carry some heavy religious ideal. That is not true. He wants you free because when you are free, that is when we, we, we bring glory and honor to his name because the world sees, look at the power of God in his life. Now we can demonstrate our salvation and the salvation of Christ in our lives as we walk out those hard times with faith and with faithfulness. Because some of those things, man, they, they just take a while. There's things that, that you know, that, that we carry and, and they're heavy. And we're like, Lord, why haven't I been healed from this? Lord, why do I still feel in bondage to this? And we just keep looking to the Lord. But, but friends, hear me. God wants us free. God wants us healed. God wants us whole. So there's an image I want to show. This is, this is our coffee bar. It's on the other side of that wall. And I want you to imagine, see right there where the light switch is up there? So I want you to imagine our, our Impact Rock logo, that, that drop of blood. Um, actually, we'll pull up. There's, there's, let me explain the drop of blood real quick. So this, this drop of blood represents, it forms a crown. If you can see, this drop of blood forms a crown, and it represents that first drop of blood that fell to the ground when Jesus was on the cross and every drop of blood that fell to the ground when he was paying the price for our sin because not a single drop was ever shed in vain. And so this represents the blood of Christ. We are not ashamed of the blood of Christ. It, it, it washed away our sins. 
So imagine that logo on the coffee wall. Let's pull up the coffee wall again. So imagine that right there because that was the original intent when we, when we built this space. So it's been, it's been a year that we've been worshiping the Lord in here, just, you know, a couple weeks past a year. And that was our original intent. Okay? That's what we were going to do. But then back in November, Kara and I and the kids, we went to Edmond, Oklahoma. That's where Kara's sister and her husband, so Keely and her husband Brandon are there. So we went to Edmond and we went to, went to Oklahoma City one day. It's just a short drive from Edmond. And going into Oklahoma City, I saw this building and there was a sign on the side of the building and I was so captured by it. I'm like, we, we got to pull over. We got to see that. I got to take pictures. I'm going to see that sign. They're like, we'll get it on the way out. I'm like, we got to get it on the way out. So then on the way out, we're going a different way. I can tell we're going a different way. I'm like, turn around. We got We didn't go out that way. We got to go. And I insisted that we drive past that building again. And that's the building that I saw. It says, Jesus saves on the side of it. See, that, that building was, has been a bindery for years. And one of the things they bound were Bibles. And so the owner of that building, he had written in like six-inch letters, he had painted Jesus saves on the side of that building, on the front of that building, not the side, the front, that tiny little building in Oklahoma City. And then it became abandoned and empty, and they were, it wasn't a bindery anymore. And a developer bought it and turned it into loft. So it's, it's a loft right now. It's a re- really cool living area and to pay honor to the message of Jesus saves and to the history of that bindery, he one-upped the six-inch painted-on letters and put these channel letters on with LED lights and it says, Jesus saves. And I saw that. And I'm like, that's a message that brings hope. See, put in our, put in our logo on that coffee bar that that would be cool because we know what it represents. But people who drive by doesn't know what it represents. So they could probably think we're just kind of branding ourselves. Friends, we have no intention on branding ourselves or bringing honor and glory to our name or bringing fame to the name of Impact Rock Church. We only desire to bring fame to the name of Jesus Christ. So I reached out to the developer and the developer gave me the file and said, you can use it free of charge. You just got to get it made. I'm not going to make your sign. But we're going to put that sign, Jesus saves, that exact sign in that coffee bar. And we're going to light it up and we're never going to turn it off. And at any time of day, whoever drives by can see Jesus saves. And I know for a fact that the Erie Police Department comes by nightly and they just check on... they. they our town is awesome, man. They pull on doors. They check all the local businesses' doors and they pull on doors to see if they're locked. And we know that because there's a camera out there. And so we, we capture it on video and we see it. Every police officer who comes and tugs on that door, he's going to see Jesus saves. I don't care if I got to bake 500 cupcakes and have a bake sale every week. We're getting Jesus saves up there. This is only a part of how we get to demonstrate salvation. But we have to demonstrate our faith, friends. We've got to demonstrate that we believe something, that we stand for something, that we've given our life for something. We've got to demonstrate that what we believe is real and that we've given our all to a living, awesome, mighty Savior. Romans 10, 9 through 11 says this, if you confess 
with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be sozo. You will be saved, healed, delivered, made free, made whole. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I love that this message comes after the message of obedience. Because obedience is a Christian principle. It has nothing to do with salvation. Not for us. For Jesus, obedience had everything to do with salvation because he was obedient unto the Father, even unto death. But for us, obedience has zero to do with our salvation. Our salvation is all about belief. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ. And you are saved. It is faith. It, that's all the faith is, is belief. I believe. And so I'm saved. Now, once we are saved and we are walking out our faith, we're walking out the, the abundant life of our salvation, then obedience comes into play because then God says, hey, that part of your life, um, here's what I have to say about it. And it's only going to bring you harm and death. I'd like you to agree with me and I'd like you to change your mind about it and change your heart and not do that anymore. And we change our mind, which is called repentance. And we repent and we walk in freedom and God just protected us from something harmful. And we obey Him because we trust Him because He's good. He's not saying, hey, uh, I want you to give up Doritos. Because I know you love Doritos and I want to see how much you love me. So you got to give up Doritos. That's not what he's doing. Now he might say, I was to give up Doritos because you put on about 30 pounds you shouldn't have and maybe start eating some more celery, Mark. God doesn't tell us to do things. He tells us to do the things to, to bring us life, to save us from harm. Yeah. And we, we change and we say yes and we change our minds because we love him and we trust him. The only way for us to not be put to shame in the midst of our flaws, the midst of our ugliness, the midst of our sin, is to believe in Jesus. When we are saved, there's two terms that are often used and, and let me just simplify them. We hear justification or justified. I'm justified by faith. I've been justified by the blood of the Lamb. We hear justified, and then we hear sanctified. Sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. So here, here's what those teams mean. Those terms mean. Justified means this. Just as I am, I'm saved. Just as I am. I don't have to clean myself up before coming to Him. I don't have to fix myself up before coming to him. I come to him just as I am in belief and I'm saved. And then his blood cleans us. He makes us whole. That's being justified. Justification. Sanctification is the daily walking out of our faith and our salvation that shows the world and it shows the enemy and it shows ourselves and it shows our God that makes it known to everybody that we believe what we said we did when we've trusted in Jesus Christ in our life demonstrates it. So sanctification is the daily walking out. 
Does that make sense? I mean, that's not complicated, not rocket science, right? The minute we trust in Jesus, we are saved. We are justified just as I am. You are saved. You don't got to earn salvation. We can't earn salvation. Boom, justification, we're saved. But now that just gets us, that just gets us past the Disneyland parking lot, guys. That just gets it past the, the ticket counter where that we see this cool, you know, uh, pretty grassy hill with the train and big old Mickey's head and flowers. And that that's, justification gets us to that place. We've got to start walking it out and we've got to walk through and experience the greatness of God because our salvation was meant to bring us life abundant, not just life. You guys, Jesus is the only way. He is our only hope and he is our only salvation. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says this. I'm calling the crowd to him with his disciples. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now listen to this, guys. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Whoever tries to save his marriage will lose it. Whoever tries to save his future will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it. If you try to heal Yourself, or your marriage, or your business, or your friend, or others—you will. You can't do it because you're not a healer. If you try and save yourself, you can't do it. You're not a savior. If you try and set yourself free, for, you know, from from bondage and from things, you can't do it because you're you're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. Only Jesus. But if we will let Jesus be savior and healer and deliverer, then we will be free if we will trust our life in Him, then our life will be saved. We got got strong people in this room. We got strong men and we got strong women in this room. And there's people in this room, I don't even know your stories. I don't even know the ways that you've shown incredible strength and the things that you've overcome. But I gotta just let you know, you're not the strong one in this relationship. Jesus is. I'm the weak one. And there's no other way I'd rather have it. I'm the weak one. I need him. I am okay with being the weak one. I am really okay with Jesus Christ being the strong one. It is Jesus who saves and none other. Salvation didn't come through self-help books. Salvation didn't come through good books. Salvation doesn't come through Christian books. Salvation doesn't come through a guru. Salvation doesn't come through good works. Salvation doesn't come through being really, really sweet and really kind and helping people across the streets and buying Girl Scout cookies. And salvation didn't come through any of that. It comes through Jesus and Jesus only. And that is offensive, my friends. Salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus only. Jesus only. And I I just got to let you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't feel narrow-minded for that belief because I know how Jesus has changed my life. I know how he came in and he took all the junk and the gunk and the anger and the pride and he demolished it. 
and he gave me a new heart and a new life and a new mind. He renewed my mind. And I know my life now in Jesus Christ. So I have no qualms saying, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. I'm not ashamed of that. Acts 16, verses 30 through 31 says, Then the jailer brought them, Paul and Silas, out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So, friends, how will they believe if they have not heard? And how will they hear if there's not someone to tell them? How do we demonstrate our salvation? We let people know that Jesus is real and that he is good. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. Yeah, well, then why did this bad thing happen? Because God didn't always get his way. Because he doesn't always get his way. Every single day, the sun rises and sets. And, and all throughout that day, Jesus didn't get his way. God didn't get his way. How can I say that? Because the Bible says that God desires that not one person would perish without knowing him. That not one person would die without knowing him and his grace. And people die every day without knowing Jesus. So every single day, God does not get his way. Well, why do bad things happen? Because this is a sinful world. And God, God gives freedom. And bad things happen. And I don't have answers to all those things. I don't have answers to, to why the bad things happen to good people. I don't. Let me just focus on the things I do have an answer for. Jesus loves you and he's real and he's alive. Brian, why don't you go ahead and come on up? I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead a little. Greg. You guys, our sins, no matter what sins they were, our sins are what cried crucify before Jesus went to the cross. I'm not talking about murder, guys. I'm talking about self-righteousness. That smug self-righteousness where since we didn't commit murder, we're better than somebody. That nailed Jesus to the cross. Gossip nailed Jesus to the cross. Pride nailed Jesus to the cross. Self-dependence, self-reliance and pushing away God nailed Jesus to the cross. Not the, the dark sins we think of. Yes, they, they, nailed him, they nailed Jesus to the cross as well. Our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. Our sins yelled, crucify, crucify him. Our sins are dark and they are destitute. And a lot of times we, you know, we hear the passage that when we were at our weakest moment, the Lord saved us, that he was there for us. And we go, yeah, yeah. That's great. When I was weak, no, at, at your ugliest, at your ugliest, at your darkest, at your most rage-filled, at your most disobedient. 
He was there for us. So there's, there's a guy in the Bible, a prophet. His name is Hosea. And the Lord asked Hosea to take as a wife a prostitute. He said, I want you to marry this prostitute. I want you to, to purchase her out of prostitution. I want you to marry her. I want you to make her your wife. And I want you to have children with her. And so that's what Hosea did. He married a prostitute. And he had three kids with her. Her name was Gomer. And then she left. She left her family. She left her kids. She, she abandoned them and went back to prostitution. God had Hosea marry her so that generations would see the ugliness of our sin. See, that's us guys. We're, we're Gomer in this story. Okay? We're not Hosea. We're Gomer. We're the one with sins. We're the ones that walked away. We're the ones that were in need of a savior. So then after she goes back to prostitution, this is what the Lord says in Hosea 3, 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to me, said to Hosea, go, go again. He said, go again. Stay with me, guys. He said, go get her. Lord, I, I can't. Do you know how sinful that place is? She is. Lord, there's nudity and there's prostitution and there's, there's, there's filth. And Lord, I can't. He's like, go into that place and go rescue her. Go into that place. She needs a savior. She needs a healer. She needs a restorer. She needs to be delivered. She needs sozo. She needs salvation. Go get her. He said, go again. Love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress. See, our God never stops loving us, guys. Even in our unfaithfulness, He never stops loving us, ever. In our flaw, in our weakest, He never stops loving us. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, even though they turn to other gods. Verse 2. Hosea says, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. He bought back what was already his. That's his wife. But he went and he sought her out and he found out whoever was in charge, whatever despicable man took ownership of her and he said, what's the cost and I will pay it. The cost for a slave to be purchased was 30 pieces of silver, 30 shekels of silver. That's the same cost that Judas betrayed our Savior Jesus Christ for. Hosea had 15 pieces of silver, 15 shekels of silver, and then he had 15 shekels worth of silver in grain. And he said, here's the price for that slave. This will buy her freedom. And he bought her back. 
Imagine the father asking, what's the cost to buy this one that I love? What's the cost to pay for that one right there that I love? And a voice of the accuser comes back, the blood of your son, the life of your only son, that's the cost. And then the Father and then Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they look around and they nod and they say, done, done. Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Friends, he goes into the darkest of places, the most despicable of places, the loneliest of places, the most shameful of places, because we're worth it, because he loves us. And he says, I've purchased you. You're mine. Will you let me set you free? See, Gomer had been used by men for their selfish desires. Hosea represented a loving God that wanted to heal and restore. That wanted to deliver and bring freedom. So we talk about our sins. No matter how dark they are, no matter how ugly we think they are, they've been paid for. They've been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Done. That's what we celebrate this week. That's what we celebrate. Jesus went to a cross. He went to a grave and he left both. And he's alive. But while there, he paid the price for our sins. Sozo. Salvation. Saved. Healed delivered, made whole. When we grab a hold of that, when we grab a hold of that, obedience is easy. Even though it's hard. But we know there's a purpose behind it. It's not just some religious act. Spending time in His presence. Oh my gosh, of course I want to be in the presence of a loving God. Loving others? Of course I want to love others. Because I know how much love has been poured out for me. Generosity? Of course I want to be generous with my life. My resources, my influence, my finances, my all. Because my God denied no good thing for me. And was generous with me, given His Son. Power? Oh, I understand power. My whole life demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit which has set me free. Discipleship. You bet. You bet. I want to raise up other Christians to be strong and healed and whole and set free. Did I forget any of them? Did I get them all? This is what we've been doing for seven weeks, guys. This is who this church is called to be. We're meant to make a difference in this community, but we're meant to make a difference in the power of Jesus Christ with a message of hope and salvation, not with, with any other resource we have because our strength or our creativity, our talent, or our incredible good looks, none of those things can save or heal or set free. 
but Jesus can. Culture of Christ. There is no other culture that we want to have at this church but a culture of Christ.